Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. It's that time of year when the divisions are decided, the champions are crowned, and legends are born. It's the NFL playoffs. You've waited and watched all year as your team rose to the top or fell to the bottom, but now it's your turn to win big. You've heard the name just about everywhere, my bookie. They're the industry-leading online sports book and casino, and it's not hard to understand why. With thousands of lines to bet on all your favorite sports, NFL, NBA, and college ball. MMA and soccer, they've got them all. The latest odds, period. Take advantage of MyBookie's prop builder and live in-game betting where every single run, throw, and touchdown is another chance for you to put cash in your pocket. Visit their mobile-friendly website today and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Just use the promo code 3YARDS, that's the word 3YARDS, when you make your first deposit. The best part is that make it simple with a variety of ways to deposit instantly, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, and more. Whether you're at home or on the go, on your laptop or on your phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid. Bet, win, and get paid at my bookie. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on a welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry, an off-season edition, as it were. Season's going on, but Dolphins are not participating. Uh, I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And we're going to get into the offensive side of the ball on this episode. And we're going to talk about the promotion of Lemuel Jean-Pierre. Jean-Pierre? Jean-Pierre? Lemuel? Lemuel, maybe. Lemuel? Lemuel Jean-Pierre. I'd say let's get his name right before we start. 
Yes. Speaking him up. Lemieux Jean-Pierre. The least we can do. Yeah, let's get his name right. Is it Lemieux or Lemieux? I think it's Lemieux. I can't find it anywhere where it says how to pronounce his name. I mean, I'd imagine it's Lemieux Jean-Pierre. Yeah. Lemieux Jean-Pierre. Well, Simon's European, so we'll go with that. I mean, he's of Haitian descent, so I can't really help you there. So, kind of last time I checked, Haiti wasn't in Europe. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Astonishingly, no. Really? Yeah. You learn something new. Every okay, day. it's pronounced Lemuel Lemuel Jean Pierre. Okay. Lemuel Jean Pierre. All right, the promotion of Lemuel Jean Pierre. Is that correct, Simon? Yes. Beautiful. We're going to talk about that and much, much more. But before we do that, Simon, any new adventures with the fine products at Manscaped? Um, I still haven't had the thing from you, so this is very difficult to talk about. But <laughs> what? apparently the aftershave is very good. <laughs> so yeah if you're not smelling good yeah the aftershave i could help yes the the aftershave don't get it over here right yeah the aftershave the aftershave your balls like i mean you could do i guess you could yeah boy that oof that's quite (laughs) that's quite a lot to take on board for everything it is i think that's a lot also don't get don't get a paper cut Oh, that that's yeah, what I'm saying. Course, like, you shave your balls, like, there could be consequences using aftershave on there. Yeah. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Yeah. But uh, ball toner, ball deodorant, yeah. and of yeah. course, their new fragrance. Everything you could get. Isn't it on ball right? toner, isn't that a corn song? Huh. You'd know. That's, that's, a, that's a great question, right? Looking that up, ball toners actually actually would be a great name for a band. It wouldn't, I would. Oh no, it's ball tongue. My bad. Oh. Mm. Yes, you get all their products at manscaped.com Of course, they've also got another song called Jingle Balls. Do they? You combine the yeah, you combine the two. Ah. Use the promo code five R S N twenty percent. Jingle toner. Your order. <sighs> jingle toner jiggle toner jiggle toner jiggle toner i like that mm. well they've promoted an off a man to to be offensive line coach <laughs> whatever, whatever you're gonna say is name anymore he's just a man <laughs> <laughs> lemuel jean-pierre random how's that random man random man has just been promoted to be the offensive line coach of the miami dolphins and, and what does that mean for as far as the offensive coordinator position because it doesn't seem like they really cared too much to go elsewhere. Uh, has to mean that they already have their guy picked out and it's probably in house. No, Simon. I would. I mean, I would suspect so. Given that all the good candidates have now just completely disappeared, <laughs> and we're left with, um, you know, the not good candidates. Ex- certainly, certainly, um, <laughs> which would be Pep Hamilton, which literally nobody wants. Um, so yeah. 
I would imagine it will be. I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me if it was Studsville, but I think it'll be George Godsey. So, you know, the, the interesting thing about Studsville is that um, he's so highly rated, it wouldn't surprise me if he leaves next year. You know, he might get an OC job next year somewhere mm-hmm. else. Um, you know, I can't suddenly see the Dolphins. I mean, they might, but God, six OCs in six years would be pretty drastic. Five and five is pretty bad, but six and six would be pretty rubbish. And you can see him getting, um, you can see him getting lured away next year. I think if it's in house, I think it's Studsville, not not Godson. Do you? Yeah, I, I think he's got the assistant head coach uh, title. It'd be it'd be somewhat of a bypass, I think. You know, to to have Godsey go above him. Uh, after Brian Flores talked him up as being a future coordinator, um, you know, and and I, I don't people can say what they want about this, but it does, does seem to me like uh, like the Dolphins are are trying to give up give a leg up with these these hires with some of these hires to uh, not a leg up, but I mean they're trying to they're trying to interview and potentially hire uh, people of color, um, and you know I think I think. Godsey is lower on the totem pole than than Eric Stutzville, and if he gets promoted above him, you know that might be a bad look. Um, and I, I just think that Flores has already talked him up so much that uh, that if it's an internal guy, Stutzville is probably in line before Godsey. And uh, Godsey is such a good fr- a friend of Flores as anyway. I don't think you, I don't know that he would mind that much. Um, but the other thing is, I, I don't know. Do we know it's an internal guy just because they they promoted? Uh, let me. They might know who it is, but it, that doesn't necessarily mean it's an internal guy. Why haven't they done it if it's an internal guy? You know, um, all the other guys are are taken up, right? I and mean, we we've seen them go down one by one. We saw um, Matt Canada is supposedly being hired, promoted in Pittsburgh. We see Mike McDaniel is being. Um, is being promoted in San Francisco. Um, Tony Elliott has politely declined uh, and stayed and decided to stay at Clemson. Um, and, uh, and, you know, Pep Hamilton is still hanging out out there. Um, but I mean, if, if they know it's, if, if all these guys are getting, getting hired out and are getting promoted and taken off the board and they're ready to go with an internal guy, why haven't they done that yet? You know, it, it's, it looks to me like they're waiting for somebody, like they're waiting somebody, for somebody to get out of the playoffs. An NFL rumors and updates Twitter account with 10 to 8,000 followers has just tweeted that the Dolphins have two finalists per report, and I can't find the report for the OC job, running back coach Eric Studsfield and Chargers quarterback coach Pep Hamilton. So take that with a grain of salt yeah and, and that makes sense to me um and we'll see we'll see where that goes but um but i think i think that i'm not excited about i've made no uh secret that i'm not excited about pep hamilton but um but i think that as things stand if they're not waiting for somebody in the playoffs right now then it's probably those two guys uh but i think the lemon jean pierre thing is is interesting you know for a number of reasons because he was, he is, he's a Tom Cable guy, like holy. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he played for Tom Cable for five years. He went off to another team for one year and then hung up, um, you know, hung up his cleats and decided to go into coaching and immediately went back to Tom Cable as his assistant. Um, then followed Tom Cable from Seattle to, to the Raiders. 
mm-hmm. uh, to be his assistant there and came over to Miami. You know, it's interesting. Why did he come over to Miami? I, I think the more we see in this, I think that Colorado just totally screwed Brian Flores over by hiring Carl Durrell because mm-hmm. um, so much orbits around Carl Durrell in, in terms of the Chan Gailey hire um, and in terms of, uh, you know, who was, who was Carl Durrell's offensive coordinator at UCLA? Tom Cable. <laughs> um, and, and so why is, you know, why is Lemuel Jean-Pierre here? Uh, to me, I think, I think we all knew that Chan Gailey was sort of a rental, right? I mean, it's, he, he came out of retirement. He's here for maybe a year, maybe two. Um, Steve Marshall just kind of goes where he goes and, you know, he's, he's, he's not young either. Um, it kind of kind of struck me as those two those two being rentals, and maybe Carl Durrell was supposed to take over for Chan Gailey, and Lemuel Jean Pierre was supposed to take over for uh, Steve Marshall, and uh, the latter has happened. But then, um, I mean, remember that Carl Durrell was promoted to assistant head coach on February twentieth when Jean Pierre was hired, and then all of a sudden, even people of Colorado are like, "Whoa, Carl Durrell, really?" Um, and you know that's that's what happened i think that kind of screwed them but um but it, it's just more more evidence that they're heading toward this zone sort of zone style system uh if you look at all the candidates uh that they're interviewing for oc i mean that's that's where this is heading and um and so i think it's interesting i think they're trying to build a run game which is why i think they'll keep studsville as the as the head coach i think that's um I think that's what they're going to look to do because you look at you know you look at Mike McDaniel for example you know run game coordinator of the 49ers a guy everybody yep. touted you know it, it would intimate to me that there are certain candidates who um, respected the run um, mm-hmm. and I think that's just something they wanted to do and you know you look at the, the news tonight that Najee Harris is going to be on the Dolphins uh, roster at the senior bowl you know I'm sure that's not a I'm sure that's not an accident accident that Jim Nagy just put um you know put Certainly, my number one running back in the in the draft with the with the Dolphins, given the need at running back and and three picks in the top what thirty six picks, so be very interesting. Yeah, and you know Pep Hamilton for he's those experiences as coaching quarterbacks as an offensive coordinator, he's very much a run guy. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, he comes from he comes from Stanford with uh, you know under Jim Harbaugh and with uh, David Shaw and. Um, you know, I think I think that he's he's very much a run priority guy. I think Matt Canada is a run priority guy. I think Mike McDaniel is certainly a you know fix the run game with the Shanahan style run zone run game uh, guy. Eric Studsville clearly uh, a run guy. Um, just the whole set of OCs OC candidates was was filled with that i mean the themes were run and the themes were zone i mean it's and that's that's the direction we're headed um and i think lemuel jean pierre uh fits that pretty pretty well if we're going by what happened last year are we overdue by a week already uh was chan gailey already hired by now i believe he was right this time yesterday uh, this time last year yesterday okay so it's just a day older all right so so yeah, we're not overdue. So it should come down any sometime before the senior bowl, I would guess. Yeah, you kind of feel like they're gonna to want to take a new OC to the senior bowl. It would be Yeah, it would be not to. Yeah, optimal. 
All right, let's get into this this roster because the more I watch these teams in the NFL, the more confused I come I become of, of this roster because I don't see what these teams have and what they had this past weekend on at least the offensive side of the ball. I think the cupboard is pretty bare, but we're going to get into it. And let's start at quarterback. Simon, do you see a scenario where Ryan Fitzpatrick is back here next year or they're going to go elsewhere? doesn't look like it's trending that way, does it? No. Um, you know, we've not had any comment as to what he's going to do. He's a free agent. Um, I think everybody would like to see him back, but I, th- I still think he's rattled. I still think he's hurt by what happened, uh, the way he was sort of ousted. Um, you know, and then to come back in and beat the Raiders, I need to be, you know, to go down with COVID and miss the, the final game, even though, you know, Flores had already said that two was the guy. So, no, I, I don't necessarily think he'll be back. And I think the Dolphins will be in the market for, you know, an experienced backup. Uh, and probably, you know, they'll probably take a long, hard look at a, a rookie quarterback as well. And I, I suspect on day three, they'll take a, they'll certainly take a passer to, to sort of bring into the mix. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Uh, Chris, do you see a scenario where Ryan Fitzpatrick is back or are they just going to go in the, in the garbage bin and try to get a facsimile thereof? It's tough to say because if, you know, if Ryan Fitzpatrick wants to be back, which I think is the big question, because um, mm-hmm. he's he's quite famous, you know, infamous for saying he, he plays this game to start. Um, you know, he doesn't play this game to be a backup. And, uh, and he came to the Miami Dolphins in the first place because he had a legit chance at starting. And um, he will not have that if, uh, if he comes back next year because they have said that Tua Tungabailoa is our starter. Um, so he may not want to be back, so it may not be in Miami's hands at all. The real interesting question to me is, what if he does indicate that he wants to be back? Um, because, you know, say what you want about, you know, what does it do to Tua's psyche and stuff like that? Always having Ryan Fitzpatrick hanging over his head, like he's going to bail out the game. Um, if Tua is the quarterback that we all hoped he would be, then that won't matter. Um, and Ryan Fitzpatrick gets along with these coaches, you know, it's not just Chan Gailey, it's everybody. I mean, Flores loves him and, and he loves Flores. Um, so it would be a really interesting question if, if that happened, if, um, if Fitzpatrick indicated that he would come back to Miami as a backup. Uh, otherwise, I think that we are, you, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that it's going to be the draft because, I, I th- you know, your intuition tells you that they're going to want an experience in the room with Tua, not another rookie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know who 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 is that though? Oh, I <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe maybe you've got a name or, or two, uh, Alf. I don't, but I don't know. Well, I heard something really interesting, but you know, I'll save that for a free agency show. I don't know if he's going to shake loose, but you guys can guess. But if we go back a year, just a year, when Ryan Fitzpatrick was brought in, the guy that they also looked at was Josh McCown. He has since retired. I don't know of any other old guys that are out there that would fit that mold as far as like a, you know, a mentor to two of Tungabailo. Mm-hmm. I think now he's going to want somebody to bounce ideas off of 
and not necessarily somebody to actually hold his hand for an entire season. Simon, is there in the back of your mind, do you think that Ryan Fis, bringing Ryan Fitzpatrick back, let's say he, he contacts Brian Flores and says, you know what? I want to be back next year and I want to be back and I'm the backup and it's Tua's team. And I understand that. Is there a scenario where you think to yourself, you know what? This is nice, but I don't want him back because it could start creating some of these narratives again, especially within within the four walls that, well, it's not going to be Davey anymore. It's going to be Miramar from now on. So we already saw what what that did. Is there a scenario where you say, you know what? Uh, that's nice, but uh, enjoy your life somewhere else, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one because the only person that can really combat the narratives is the person that needs to play better, which yeah. is the quarterback, which is Tua. You know, but it's not. It's going to be uncomfortable knowing that, you know, the people have on the team have spoken out against you and in favour of the guy that's backing you up. People outside the building have spoken up. The media, you know, we've talked about how Tua ignores that stuff, and I'm sure he does. But you know, some of that will have filtered through. I'm sure. Um, so yeah, it's probably an uncomfortable narrative but I think it's one that the Dolphins would embrace because he's a good player he's a great person and I think he probably helps you know in a lot of departments around the building but I do think it it would make for an uncomfortable I mean I think we're probably going to have an uncomfortable spring and summer anyway but I think it would make for an even more uncomfortable one through no fault of Fitz is no fault of his own you know it's not his his problem that's just the way that the cookie has crumbled. Chris do you would you do that as well or or is that something you would say you know what you know, stop being a baby about it, compete, if it does mean compete, and just own the job, you know, instead of, you know, worrying about what other people think, worry about yourself, take the job, and don't let Ryan Fitzpatrick off the bench for an entire season. You know, normally I would normally I would just uh, normally I would just say, you know, step up and, you know, I'm not going to baby you, and if you want to be better to to Tua, I would, that's what I would, I would head. But um, I think Miami is just crazy. It's just, I mean, and I mean the whole city, Um, the, the, the fans, the players, the owner, uh, the media, especially uh, are crazy about this quarterback position. I think that it, it has been such a source of curse that they have been driven completely mad, completely insane. And, and so, and what it's doing is it's leading to bad decisions. And, and so you have, you know, back in the day, you, you had, according to Omar Kelly, you had players on the team. And I, I very much believe this. I don't think he's, he's making this up. Uh, players on the team that are, you know, trying to get Joe Philbin to start Matt Moore over Ryan Tannehill. Well, Ryan Tannehill goes somewhere else. What's happening? He's, he's performing like a top 10 quarterback in this league, if not top five, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and I look at what's happened this off season with the whole, you know, guy speaking out anonymously. I mean, this is not, it's, there's a difference between off the record and on the record, but anonymous. Right. And, um, and these guys knew what the fuck they were doing when they, um, when they, when they decided to be on the record, but anonymous. And I think it's I think it's really just the whole goddamn town being mad, including the owner, putting pressure on everybody to fix the. Why did we hire Adam Gase? 
mm-hmm. quarterback position because he happened to be there when Peyton Manning was Peyton Manning, right? Why did we hire Joe Philbin? Quarterback position. Because he, he was, happened to be because he happened to be there when Aaron Rodgers yeah, he was, was Aaron picking Rodgers. up garbage on the locker room floor while he, Aaron Rodgers he was, was walking he was around. the he was the PowerPoint guy basically. Um, <laughs> so we we do all this we do all this shit, you know, hiring guys, putting pressure in all the wrong places in order to get this quarterback position right because we're mad about it and and we're cursed because of it. We're cursed because of that desperation. And so we're, we're just keep making bad decision after bad decision. Uh, you know, first it's a bad decision to, to draft Ryan Tannehill. And then it's a bad decision to get rid of him because now he's a fucking elite quarterback. I mean, and, and so, and now we get to a tongue of Iowa and, you know, we're about to, we're about to keep benching him for Ryan Fitzpatrick and everybody in, you know, and the, and all the players are like, yeah, yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know? And, and it's like, it's, we're just cursed at this position. And I think it comes from this angst, this collective angst that happens in the city, in the fans, in the media, it bleeds into the players. It bleeds into the owner himself because let's face it. The owner is a fan Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, but he's just a fan with more power that, that signs the checks. Um, so, you know, I want, I want to, because of that, I don't trust anybody with a difficult situation. So, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to simplify it. <laughs> I'm going to simplify it. I'm going to get Ryan Fitzpatrick out of here. Um, because y'all can't be trusted. That's, that's my, that's my take. You know what? I'm I'm kind of with you, but then that's going to start another narrative, which is okay. Now they're babying too by getting rid of his competition. Well, but, but not really, because if he's because if he's not if he's not too good, and and we're you know less than halfway through the season, and and the Deshaun Watson thing is still stretching out, you know, get the fuck on the horn and see what that price is. And I, I don't care. I just want the quarterback position fixed. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't trust anybody. <laughs> I don't trust anybody to be making good decisions about it because we're all driven so fucking crazy. Yeah, and I, I don't know whatever happened to good old patience and let's wait for things to play out. You know. Yeah. But a- you got to figure, you got to figure this. The Sean Watson thing is is not going to get. It's not going to happen soon. It's gonna. I would say it's going to go into free agency. Hmm. Even if they hire Eric Bieniemy, because this has happened before, okay. I know it's happened in other sports, but uh, the last you know superstar that caused a stink about his head coach was LeBron James in Cleveland. They hired Byron Scott. Two weeks later, he was in Miami. Okay, so you know that's happened all the time. So I I think even if they hire Eric Bieniemy, it's probably not the end of it. So it'll stretch into free agency into March right before the draft, I think is the drop dead date because that's when everybody has to evaluate their assets. And I'm pretty sure if Houston's going to trade Watson this year, they're going to want a lot of stuff from this year because they're going to have to get a, they're going to want a, a head start on rebuilding that team from the ground up. Now talking about rebuilding from the ground up, moving on to the running back position, Simon, uh, I told you the other day that I felt like, you know, keep Gaskin, keep, Ahmed and then tell everybody else, you know, go away. But Matt Brady is a free agent. 
he's obviously never getting another call from this 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 coaching staff because they obviously just hate him. So let's talk about the two free agents, Matt Breda, DeAndre Washington, any interest whatsoever in bringing either of them back. I mean, I like Breda, but it's clear that the Dolphins don't. So yeah, um, what's the point in sticking him and you know, keeping him around? Because they clearly don't fancy him very much. You know, He seemed to pick up yards in decent chunks, and then all of a sudden you never see him again. Or Inactive the last third. two weeks. Yeah, it seemed kind of pointless. So, you know, what, what's the point? Just, just let him go, frankly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, you keep the two satellite backs around. I thought they showed good value. Um, but it's clear they want a thumper, a guy who can, you know, carry 15, 18, 22 times a game, catch a few balls out the backfield, can essentially work in all three areas of the game, pass protection as well. Um, and, I, you know, for me, that's either Harris or, or Williams. I actually think ETN, as good as he is, probably fits a bit more like what they already have in terms of size and, um, you know, traits, uh, obviously better than Ahmed and, and Gaskin. But, uh, you know, you have to ask whether Travis Etienne can carry a full load in the NFL. Um, so it'll be interesting, but I think, you know, it'll be one of those two guys, I think, early. But if they, you know, if they ignore that and they, you know, they look at backs later on, well, then that opens up a, you know, a whole different thing. But if we're targeting early round running backs, then, you know, for me, that's the, they're the two guys, you know, after that, you're looking at, you know, a Trey Sermon who's coming off an injury, Kylan Hill who sat out the year, Kenny Gainwell's 191 pounds, Chuba Hubbard is, you know, 201 pounds, but coming off a big injury. Obviously we all like Brian Robinson, Alabama, if he comes out, mm-hmm. you're looking at you know, Jamal Jefferson, who most people on the East coast don't know anything about because, West Coast games don't seem to kick off till about 4 a.m. Um, you know, Moe. I like the Marshall kid, Brendan. Um, yeah, Brendan, uh, Brendan Knox. Yeah, Knox. Knox. Elijah Mitchell at Louisiana is a good mm-hmm. big back at 218 pounds. You know, so there's Larry, you know, Larry Roundtree at Missouri is a good player. So they're coaching Ramondre Stevenson, who's probably going to be a the Georgia H-back, kid. There's name is Samir White. Yeah. Yeah. He's had injuries, but he's noticeable every tears. time he plays. Yeah, um, you know, I think they probably ignore the, like I said, the satellite backs, the the, the JB on Hawkins and the Demetric Feltons, because I think they're just too too alike to the to the guys they already have. So that for me would be the play. So Although Chris- I could see them going, I mean, they they have. So think about this though, the guys they have. I mean, if if you want guys like that, if you want guys that small, don't you want them fast and and dangerous in the pass game? You know. Mm-hmm. And, and and in that, so in that respect, um, you know, they could be after they could be after that type. They could be after a Travis Etienne because of what his speed can do in the passing game. They could be after a Michael Carter, you know, with the with North Carolina because you know not only was he an equal load carrier with Javante Williams, but you know he was the pass catching guy too. Um, and you know he's a really good he's a really good uh, third down. You know they're they're going to try and surround Tua with players that I think can catch the ball and help him. And um and I don't think they're done at the running back position with respect to that third down back type just because they have mm-hmm. guys that are not so big in Miles Gaskin and Savan Ahmed. So yeah, you know, I think it's all types. I think it's all types. 
Yeah, well, that, and... that brings in, you know, Hawkins has had, what, 19 runs of 20-plus yards in, in 2019, certainly. You look at someone like Puka Williams, scored every 4.3 times he touched the ball. You know, elusive. You know, that's, if you're looking for a Tariq Cohen, Naheem Hines kind of mm-hmm. good runner with good hands out the backfield, you know, Puka Williams. And the fact that he's got no toes on his right feet is intriguing <laughs> in itself. Um, his cousin ran them over with a lawnmower. Imagine that. Jeez. Um, yeah, exactly. exactly. Hey, but, the yeah, last time that happened point. to a Dolphin, that was a, a good thing. Tim Bowens, remember? Yeah. Tim Bowens only had seven toes. Yeah. Good knowledge. Yeah. So, uh, back to that, uh, I had a stat on uh, on the 3YPC account, which I, I found interesting because of how pathetic it was. The Dolphins had 24 touchdown passes. 16 of them were thrown into the end zone which means that only eight of them had any yak of the, those eight had a combined yak of 87 yards, 52 of them came on one play, but, and that was the game, the, the, the play by miles of Gaskin against the Raiders. So making, right, making something out of nothing is not something that this group did. So yeah, it's the cupboards bare there at running back, I would say. Is this the end yeah, of Patrick I, I Laird so. as well? So, yeah, it feels like it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious what they would think about just getting into prospects about somebody like a Trey Smith. Remember, he used to play for, um, it was Oklahoma, right? And uh, and he went off to, uh, oh, oh, Trace. I'm thinking of Trey Sermon. Uh, okay, yeah. Has yeah, Trey Smith always been? Has Trey Smith always been Wyoming? No, he hasn't uh, always been Wyoming because yeah, he because so. he, he used to play he used to play against Bama and you know right. Florida State and where did he transfer from? Not sure, but the the, the Oklahoma kid is Trey Sermon. Yeah, the Oklahoma now, kid is Trey Sermon. Yeah, I would also think that as far as the running back group, maybe an introduction in the, to the group from maybe Malcolm Perry. Oh, he makes the a lot of guy. sense. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Of um, course, we're not doing that with Lynn Bowden because. Lynn Bowden famously didn't like it when he was in Las Vegas and they tried to make him a running back. But Malcolm Perry, maybe. Maybe. He did it in in training camp. I don't know why that disappeared all of a sudden. The fact he didn't do it in the season would make me wonder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If they really, you know, because if you're going to do it, do it when it matters. And they didn't, Mm -hmm. so... Now, I would look for. I mean, I would look for a whole reset there, personally, yeah. at that at that position. I mean, yeah, you you might keep Miles Gaskin, and and sure, you're gonna you're gonna invite both Miles Gaskin and Savan Ahmed to the to the training camp because why why wouldn't you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean their spots secure. Um, and and I would I would probably look for them, especially if somebody like Studsville is is getting the call up, you know. They're going to ask him. He's got he's got more responsibility now on the offense. They're going to ask him to start making some calls on on prospects and get involved there. And um, and I think that they're because he was involved with you know the the draft class last year, and they just didn't they they, struck they completely out. They ignored him. Any, yeah, yeah, they didn't get anybody right. Um, <laughs> yeah, supposedly he he pounded the table for J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor, which suggests you know hey. You know, nice look there. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh yeah, they completely ignored him. So I, I think that I think 
you know, two, two new guys, two new significant guys, at least. Yeah. It was also odd that on the day that they were interviewing guys at the combine, Eric Studsville spoke to JK Dobbins. Somebody timed it for two hours and then JK Dobbins announced he wasn't going to work out. So everybody speculated, okay, the dolphins earmarked the pick for him. Mm. And of course they passed on him twice. So interesting. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, a reset at the running back position. And if they if they really shit canned every single one of these guys, you know, it, I, it would surprise me, especially on Miles Gaskin, because I think he was productive for what he did this year. But, you know, like, really, who cares? This is not this was not a very, very good group. Mm-hmm. OK, yeah, they'll really... be back. They'll be back for camp but and everything. And they'll probably if they're if they're this good. Yeah. Then they'll win. <laughs> you know they'll win they'll win the roster spots hmm. but um that doesn't stop them from getting getting two new guys yeah and i don't understand really uh back to matt breda i really don't understand what happened there he had his moments against the against the patriots he had the his best game in the dolphin uniform 87 yards they made him inactive the next two weeks healthy scratches in the next two weeks so who knows what's going on with Matt Breda, but it's obviously he won't be on this team next year. Moving on to tight ends, a highly productive group, but we kind of we kind of have some ideas. That group had over a thousand yards, thirteen touchdowns. Obviously, they're productive. Obviously, Mike Gesicki, Durham Smythe, Adam Shaheen, all three capable players. All three guys played well. But do you foresee a significant upgrade, Simon? I think it depends who's on the market, frankly. I mean, maybe Martin a guy from Florida. A, maybe the kid from Florida because he's special. Yes. And we've been talking him up on this podcast for a, you know, a few months uh, for, for good reason. Um, you know, Gasicki had a great year, played really well. He's a good player. Um, but Carl Pitts is, is different. You know, he's a different category of player altogether. You know, he's probably one of the top. We were talking about it on WhatsApp earlier on. He was one of the top six or seven players in this entire draft you know he's an elite pass catching tight end a move tight end great campaign I mean he, he was a finalist for the Bolitnikoff award and he's a tight end I mean that mm-hmm. pretty much tells you everything you need to know you know he dictates the coverage um you know just a great mismatch player just so quick off the line just beats the jam looks the ball in through contact makes a tough catch he's you know he's Darren Waller he's a massive red zone threat the Dolphins are terrible red zone I think he had a Nine of his catches in, red, in the nine of 13 catches went for touchdowns in the red zone. You know, he's not going to be a fit for every offense, but he's just got a great field for space and he's a significantly better blocker than he's given credit for. You know, Chris is dealing some videos of Malik Herring and stuff. You know, six foot six, 280 pound Georgia defensive end, and he's handling him one on one. You know, people say Carl Pitts can't block. Well, you know, Carl Pitts can block, he can run, he can catch, he's a special player. So, you know, the Dolphins don't need a tight end, but hell, you know, you don't pass that up. You don't pass up a red zone yak monster who can, but, you know, the game's all about mismatches. You know, you, you can you can get Carl Pitts in the building. There's all of a sudden you've got a Gronkowski and, and Aaron Hernandez without the serial killer element, um, <laughs> you know, and that's, this is a, you know, certain members of the coaching staff were there in New England when, well, when they were drafted together, let alone when they played together. So it just yeah, that just opens the door for so many opportunities in a mismatch league. 
I think he's I think he's Tony Gonzalez. I think um I think he's going to be an iconic player in the NFL. He's probably the best tight end I've ever taken a look at. Best tight end prospect I've ever taken a look at. I don't say that lightly. Um you know, it's it's not just listen, we've seen a lot of tight ends that have athleticism, right? We Mike Gesicki, um we've seen other ones that you know go back a ways. You see Kobe Fleener, um guys that can run you know, it's clear they're, they've got the, they've got the dimensions, right? They're tall, they're big and they can run, you know, and, and that's usually enough for the NFL, right. Um, to, to try, to try and go after the guy. Um, the, this is a guy that can run and that has that sort of sort of athleticism, but he can also shake. And that's, I mean, that's, that's, what's really so interesting about him as a receiver. He really moves like a wide receiver and not just not on a straight line basis. Cause some, there's some wide receivers that are straight lineish. Um, you know, he's not at all that, you know, he's, it's just, it's really unique to watch him, uh, how he gets open against, um, against DBs, including some of the best cornerbacks in college football, you know, they go out and face him like he's a wide receiver. And I've only seen two guys go up and consistently beat JC Horn and they're Devonta Smith and Kyle Pitts. Um, so, you know, it, it, what he can do as a wide receiver is just, is just unique, but what's so unique. He's a, he's a goddamn unicorn. And as you alluded to, and the blocking tape on him in this year in 2020 is, is really, really good. It's really compelling. He gets in line and he, you know, he keeps his hands inside and this is an effort thing. I mean, how I don't know how many tight ends I've seen. They just, you know, they're kind of, they're kind of in there and, you know, they're trying, but they're not sticking with the blocks and, you mm-hmm. know, it's really, you know, they fall off or they're, they move, they move straight lines, you know, and it's, that's not him. Like he is, he is a hundred percent effort. He is moving his feet. He's keeping his hands in. He's using his strength. Um, and that's how you get him blocking these 280 pounder defense, 280 pound defensive ends singly, you know, as a, as an inline tight end and he's doing well with it. You know, he's doing as well as you see some blocking specialists do. Yeah. Another thing that I noticed about Kyle Pitts as I've been watching him this week, he understands leverage when he's blocking. Okay. Mm. And that's not something that a lot of tight ends do. What a lot of tight ends like to do is get their hands on their guy and just follow him wherever he goes. He seems to understand where his guy wants to go and seems to understand the blocking game. So he's a complete prospect. And I heard somebody say this, and I haven't verified it because I would have to start digging through through drafts. I remember TJ Hawkinson was pretty well thought of. But I heard somebody say that he was the best prospect since Jeremy Shockey at tight end. And that's a hell of a call. Simon, your thoughts on that? Is that crazy or are we in the neighborhood? I think Vernon Davis, you know, it's another name that that springs to mind when you, you know, you think about what he can do with the ball. I mean, Chris talked about the unicorn. I mean, that's literally what he's nicknamed at Florida by his coaches. He's the unicorn because his talent is so rare. Um, You know, and I think ultimately, you kind of, you know, the blocking is good. What you really want to focus on is what he does best. And that is just defeating press. That's mm-hmm. defeating corners, safeties, tight ends, and making catch after catch after catch all over the field. Because I think that's where he's going to shine. I think he's going to be just an elite player very quickly in this league. Um, and I think he'd be a real help for Tua. All right. And 
to tie I don't, up. I don't just say this because it's a cliche, though. It, mm. I, I don't say this because it's a cliche, but his, his ability as a blocker is going to make him all the more dangerous as a pass catcher. Um, yeah, in, in my opinion, because of, because of how he can be used and, and what, you know, what downs he can be used and, and, and stuff like that. I mean, he's just, it's, and, and what it does to the personnel game on the defensive side of the ball. Um, that's, that's what I think is so compelling about him. And, and I don't think he's limited to, to certain kinds of schemes. In fact, I, th- I think if you're say, um, you know, had Mike McDaniels taken the, the job in Miami uh, from San Francisco, uh, you would think if, if that were really the case, if you're going to a Chan- Shanahan style system, you could argue that, you know, Mike Gesicki's not the greatest fit for that. Right. Um, and you'd want more of a George Kittle type of player. Um, the reason it's such a big deal that Kyle Pitts is the unicorn uh, with what he can do in the blocking game, understanding leverage, being a dog, you know, um, is because he can fit that scheme. And, and that could make him, you know, a thousand yard, a consistent thousand yard receiver while also helping your, your offense be, you know, just one of the the best, you know, in the league. And, um, and if, if you get a chance at that at the right price, uh, I'm not above trading Mike Gesicki. I like him, but mm-hmm. you, I'll just say it. Yeah, I, and I I kind of agree with you. <laughs> All right, I completely agree with you. Like I would trade, like if I could get a second, if I if I can get myself Kyle Pitts. Now at 18, I don't know. It's going to be tough. We've already seen T.J. Hawkinson, O.J. Howard. Teams tend to figure out. Okay, this is a special talent at tight end where there's so few of them and they'll overdraft. I don't think it's overdrafting to say that Kyle Pitts could go in the top 10 because it's happened before. So I don't know about 18, but if it costs you Mike Gusecki and 18 to get into the top yeah, 10, it won't, it won't happen at 18. Mm. You know, would you do it? If it costs you Mike Gusecki mm. to move up to get him, would you do it? Well, that's no, that's a, that's a fair question. That's a fair question. I think it probably comes more into frame if uh, the Dolphins do decide to trade down from number three, mm-hmm. and you know the and have, have more ammo. Smith is no longer on the board because you traded down. Yeah. Um, quite frankly, I'm not, I, I struggle to think of a player. I struggle more attractive just as a player than you know. What uh, once Trevor Lawrence and and Devonta Smith are off the board, I struggle to think of anybody i'd rather have just as a a player than kyle pitts Mm. yeah i tend to agree um overall simon this is a good group right like you don't mind if they they come back intact or are you looking for an upgrade somewhere in there no it's a solid group the the shaheen and, and, and Smythe can block uh they're useful in the past game. They're good special teamers, good guys. So no, it's a, it's a decent group. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Now we're going to go on to a, a group that's not so good. And got to give credit where it's due. Simon said it in, in, in the, well, there was no preseason, but before the season, Simon said, you know, this group might not be as good as we think it's going to be. After the opt-outs, I felt like, okay, they take one injury. And we we kind of all agreed on this. They take one injury, one major injury to Preston Williams or Devontae Parker, 
and this group is absolutely horrid. Turned out Simon was kind of correct. This group was not that good to begin with, even with the opt-outs, because, you know, they just didn't play. Now, Albert Wilson is coming back. Is that something you would entertain, Simon? Would you like Albert Wilson back on the team? Yeah, I think the entire position is up for grabs. I don't think anybody is particularly safe. You know, Parker probably is. But look, you know, Devontae, I mean, I said it a few weeks ago or even in the preseason that he wasn't elite. He was a good receiver. I got loads of shit from it on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, people going, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, the guy isn't elite. He's a good player. He's not an elite wide receiver. And anybody thinks he's an elite wide receiver is a clown, frankly. He doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, I don't think he's a good that. wide receiver that had one yeah. elite year. <laughs> yeah, he's a good receiver. He's not a great receiver. No. Um, you know, Preston Williams is nice, but, you know, he struggles with separation. He... Um, he struggles with drops and concentration and he gets hurt all the time. He's played 20 games uh, and he's been active. He's played in 10 games, essentially in two seasons, um, which doesn't really say an awful lot about his potential longevity. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. Everybody talks about Devontae Parker's, uh, you know, availability. Preston Williams has already missed more games in two years than Devontae Parker has missed in five. Exactly. I think so, I think Preston, if he's healthy, is better. It, might, it could even be better than Devonte Parker, though. I mean, it, the the thing you mentioned that's that's right on the nose. I think is is the drops and the lapses in concentration, which he's got to get out of his game because we've seen with other guys how that can prevent you from you know reaching your potential. Um, but he gets open more easily than Devonte Parker does uh, by by a good amount. And the rest really are just you know. Jakeem Grant, just a guy, you know, just is not reliable. I like Lim Bowden. I think Lim Bowden's a keeper. I like Malcolm Perry, but, you know, let's not beat around the bush. You know, he's kind of bottom third of the roster kind of guy. Um, he's probably going to have to show more on special teams to, to stick around. Um, so I think, you know, a, a rebuild of the position, it's not worked for years. So a rebuild of the position needs to happen. You know, whether that comes in free agency, you know, there's a lot of names out there. And obviously the big names, the Golladays, the Chris Godwins are almost certainly going to be re-signed. But, mm-hmm. you know, you look at um, Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, Pittsburgh are significantly over the cap. That's not going to happen. He, you know, he will hit the free agent market. You know, who else is out there? You look at, you know, Nelson Aguilar. For example, he's had a really good season. You know, a guy obviously has been played with drops throughout his career, but you know, a good player has had an excellent year with the with the Raiders. Marvin Jones as a guy, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked Who's about begging to be here. He brings Tim Patrick. Denver is a decent receiver. You look at somebody else like, I mean, Alan Robertson. You ask whether or not he fits. Does he fit coming back home to Miami? Is he the same player as Parker and, and Williams? You know, of a size profile, he's not overly twitchy, but he moves the you know, he moves the needle. He moves the he moves the chains. Curtis Samuel, obviously very intriguing kind of player. Isaiah McKenzie killed us in week 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got skills. These are all free agent guys. So, you know, and then the draft. I mean, you know, what what don't the Dolphins do? The Dolphins do not create yak. They do not have yards, consistent yards after the catch, guys. None. None. You know, you look at, you look at Devonta Smith, 500 more yards after catch over the last three years than anybody else in college football. Anybody else in college football? I mean, that in itself. Jalen Waddle is a complete yak guy. Rondell Moore, you know, his yak ability is absolutely off the charts. Kadarius Tony, another yak guy. You know, you look at Diami Brown of North Carolina. 
He's got dynamic yards after catch ability. This is a guy that can get Amari Rogers, top five in yards after the catch over the last four years in college football. He's a perfect fit for the RPO offense. Elijah Moore, another, you know, another yak guy. You just go through two two Atwell. There's another one. You just go all the way down to Philia. Tamori and Terry. You know, Shy Smith of South Carolina. These are Yak Dwayne es- Eskridge, who's on the Dolphins roster at the senior bowl. Marcus Stevenson of of Houston. You know, these are all big yak guys. So, you know, that's what the Dolphins need more than anything is people who can create after the catch because they just don't have it. So, you know, I, I think there will be a real rebuild of this unit via free agency and the draft. You know, I could see us coming out of the draft with at least two receivers, maybe more, you know, depending on what happens in free agency. But I just don't think you can go into the season with the same guys because it's just not going to happen. Yeah, and watching Buffalo, it's interesting, you know, uh, how many myths – get dispelled as teams win everybody said you can't go out and buy yourself an elite unit well the jaguars proved that that was nonsense when they bought an entire defense they used a couple of high draft picks and then they bought the rest of their defense they have one of the top defenses in the nfl they made the afc championship game the buffalo bills bought the second best receiver in football along with devon the best along with Devontae adams you know yeah yeah it happens you know you can do it and the bills they needed a slot guy. They went out and they got Cole Beasley, one of the better slot guys in football. They wanted a deep threat. They went in and got John Brown. They traded for Stephon Diggs. That worked out. So it can be done. And all of that was done in relatively one offseason. So it can be done. But I thought I looked, Miami bought, and I thought Miami very much bought a defense. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't we talking about that? With, yeah, Byron, you know, Byron Jones, Jones, Kyle Van Noy, and, uh, and Kyle Jack Van Lawson, Noy, and the, Ogba. Uh, Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogba, and Shaq Lawson. If you go back and, a year, you know, Eric I mean, Rowe. They basically bought – I mean, these were key players. Awful defense one year ago, right, uh, last in the league, became – you know, they didn't end the season as the top defense in the league, but, you know, they were for most of the season the top defense in the league. All right, Simon, to wrap up the wide receivers, Isaiah Ford, Mac Collins, both are free agents. They both walk, or does Mac Collins have some usefulness as a special teamer, bottom of the roster special- guy? Special teams captain, but, you know, you can probably find better. Isaiah Ford is done. Mm-hmm. Tend to agree. Chris, Matt Collins makes yeah. it? I mean, he might be invited back. Um, but not a know. roster guy. We'll see. You know, it's, okay. it's going to be tough. It's so going to be tough. They asked, him to, they asked him to step up. They asked him to step up, and he couldn't catch the ball. No. That's he, he could bottom not. Line. Yeah, bottom line is that if you play wide receiver, you might be asked to catch the ball. That's the, yeah. the, the, that's important, right? Right. Our favorite, just to close it out. Uh, I, I know I said we were going to close it out, but, you know, we're a fan of this guy. Did we witness the end of Jakeem Grant this year? I'll go to Chris first. No, I don't think so. He's, he's signed long-term and he is second team all pro as a returner. He's going to be on the team. He's going to, if you're on the team and you're active on game day, and mm-hmm. you're a wide receiver, you're probably going to end up out there. And when you have the speed to, you know, run what to a lovingly called brotherhood routes, yeah. Um, then, you know, and depending on who else you have on the roster, I think the really problem is, is that they have nobody other than Grant on the roster who can actually run. Yes. You know, nobody. <laughs> and, and so, and so that's the real, that's the real issue there. Um, so yeah, he's going to be on the field. Uh, at, at times uh, he's going to, 
you know, he's the return man and he's one of the league's best return men. And he signed long-term. He signed through like 2023 or something like that. I mean, it's um yeah he's gonna be he's gonna be here unless they trade him or something yeah uh, Simon no surprises right he makes it oh uh, what Jakeem makes the team yeah he comes back next year yeah, he'll be back but I don't know if he makes a team okay so there is doubt yeah. I was, there's doubt for me okay. but then I you know I said this time last year or well, coming into camp that I thought he you know he might struggle it might be a shock he might be one of the guys that that falls off the edge of the roster I just don't think he's done enough he's not getting any better. No. You know, he's a great return guy, but how often? I mean, how many return touchdowns were there in the NFL this year? Under ten, I think. He had you know, one of them. <laughs> I know he had one of them, but you know, that's one. Does that does the one return touchdown account for all the other stuff? You know, he he gets hurt, he drops passes. You know, he's inconsistent. He has great play speed, but it doesn't show. He has great speed, but it doesn't show up as play speed. Um, you know, decent gimmick like, player, I would say. Those end arounds are money with him. No, I think I, I totally disagree with the play speed. I think his play speed is phenomenal. Um, I think the fact his play speed is phenomenal. He can't catch the ball. <laughs> That's the problem. The ball looks like a beach ball in his hands. I mean, he's tiny. <laughs> I, I just, I mean, if you had the speed that he had, you'd be throwing it deep to him all the time. And you know, I just don't think he can get open. I just don't think he's. You know, he he looks like Tarzan plays like he he gets open all Jay. the time on all twenty two. All twenty two, he is open all the friggin' time. It's yeah. it's that he's so small, it's hard to find him. It really <laughs> is. I mean, because you gotta you gotta layer the ball in, right? You, it, it's not as easy as just so what, throwing a guy for, right. What's you, the excuse for Tyreek Hill then? Because he's pretty well, small too. Well, first off, you got a guy with an absolute howitzer uh, on his shoulders throwing the ball 60 yards down the field. But, but second, surely if, I, but surely if you've got a howitzer, that doesn't matter if you can find It's about finding him. He is, first off, he's, he's bigger. He is bigger than Jakeem Grant. There is a difference between five foot six and five foot, you know, nine or whatever, uh, whatever. Five foot eight and an eighth. <laughs> yeah. Um, five foot eight. I mean, Jakeem Grant is five foot six. Yeah. Um, I think. I think there's a difference there. I mean, we would say we would say there's a difference between a six foot oh guy and a six foot two guy, would we not? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, no, in the body uh, type, in a wide receiver, um, we would say we would say the one is lengthy and the other is not. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's so. I, I think there is a difference. There is a difference there. Um, but he is getting open all the time. He just can't frigging catch the ball. And you're just you're you're gonna live with it. I mean, you're gonna live with like one out of five or something like that times that you go to him and it's just it's just this this bad drop like they look really bad and again these small guys they turn me off now because you know when i'm watching like a rondale moore or something like that he looks like he looks like one of these small guys where the ball looks big in their hands it looks like a friggin' beach ball and they and mm-hmm. and so it like they have trouble they, re- they really have trouble at the catch point controlling it and hauling it in and I think Jakeem Grant is there. I think Rondale Moore is there. I think one of the reasons that Tutu Outwell is is um, is unique as a prospect is because he's smaller. You know, five foot the, the along that five foot nine ish route or area. Um, but he's uh, but he's got nice big hands and he has control of the football. He used to be a quarterback. I mean, he's he's he was a dual threat quarterback in Miami um, for for high school i mean he he has control of the football i think some of those other tiny guys that's where they really fall short um and and that's and if if injuries and the inability to catch the ball 
um, are going to do Jakeem in, you know, that's, that's what's going to happen. Um, and the fact that he's so small that it, it, it is hard to layer the football into him uh, against a defense when you, you know, it's not just straight line. It's, you're not just shooting lasers, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's, you got people in front of you. You got people uh, at different depths of, uh, of zone. Uh, and, and it can be tough to, to get, a, get the ball to, a, to an especially tiny, and he's, he's like a Smurf. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a shame, but it is what it is. But it's not, a, it's not his play speed. His pay, play speed is phenomenal, and he's getting open all the time. I mean, they get, you, even look at, you even look at the stuff like next-gen stats and, and stuff like that. They show that he get, has the most, some of the most, the most separation of any receiver, you know, on, on the targets that he has and the catches that he has. I mean, I mean, he, he creates separation. It's just a, it's, it's just a shame um, that he's not bigger. Um, yeah. He can't say now else. he won't make the team next year. Yeah, I don't, I may, maybe, I mean, maybe they, may, they make a calculus about his contract is too expensive to be a return specialist. Um, but he is, you know, he's the second team all pro returner. I'd be surprised if, if he's just summarily dismissed, you know? Um, yeah, and, and Jakeem Grant, Malcolm Perry, Lim Bowden, you can make the case that they have three gimmick guys and mm-hmm. you don't need three. Yeah. Bowden's better. Yeah. So Bowden was know. totally unexciting to me. They put the ball in his hands a lot in some of those final weeks. And I thought that if it wasn't, if it wasn't Tua making a, a ridiculous throw, like in, in that Chiefs game, that you know otherwise it was just kind of unexciting i mean he's not very fast he caught oh he's got great hands no he he really does he's that's where you got to give him credit he's got great he's got really good hands um for you know quarterback convert um but otherwise it was totally unexciting i can see why they're going to look at curtis samuel you know i can see why they're going to look at tutu atwell i can see why they're going to look at jalen waddle yeah they want a, a real version and, of those three guys. And right? A real version of Lynn Bowden, not Lynn Bowden. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lynn Bowden, if you're listening to this, you're probably not a fan and you're probably leaving us a very, a very nasty review on yeah. iTunes. Okay. Go, I like you. <laughs> go uh go like go like and retweet some more Deshaun Watson stuff. <laughs> I like you. Yes. Look, I like him as Maybe a Maybe you'll go to the Texans. Maybe you'll I go like- to the Texans. I like him as a player, but I'll I'll push Limbaudin off a cliff for Curtis Samuel. Okay, yeah, I, I just would. It's uh, I don't need and I don't need to see more. Like I, I'm pretty certain that Curtis Samuel is going to give me everything I want from Limbaudin. Now, how expensive will Curtis Samuel be? That's a different calculation, no. and that's something that you have to weigh, of course, right? Tough. But that's a tough three gimmick players. I think it's three too many and two might be too many, to be honest with you, especially if they're going to draft a wide receiver and then sign one. So moving on to the offensive line, I think that this is the year we finally replaced Jesse Davis. And if they don't replace Jesse Davis, then they didn't do much on the offensive line. Is that fair, Simon? Yeah. I mean, I think Davis and probably Ted, uh, probably um, I keep wanting to call him Ted Karras. That's not his name, is it? Um, but I think yeah, the sin. Yeah, yeah. Is it, who do I keep? I keep mixing him up with the guy that we had before. God, Daniel Kilgore. Dan- no. Daniel Kilgore. Anyway, <laughs> no, don't worry. Ted Karras is very much an offensive lineman on the team. Yeah, no, I know he is, but yeah, just ignore that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, I think Karras will be a great backup at all three interior spots. 
but you'd like to see him be replaced. And Jesse Davis, I think, you know, would just be, and whether that's, you know, you're drafting a right tackle, Abraham Lucas, that kind of guy, or mm-hmm. um, the big kid over Oklahoma State, Tevin Jenkins, and you're kicking Robert Hunt inside, who knows? And then, you know, you, you're bringing in a, a Creed Humphrey or a Landon Dickerson or a kid at Ohio State, or, you know, depends, you know, if they're going to move to the zone scheme, then it's the kid at, it's the kid at Stanford, um, you know, um, Dorman. But, yeah, I think, um, and the questions as well about Eric Flowers. You know, he played, mm-hmm. he played okay. You know, I don't think that he had a good season, season, but good God, those two, la- those last two games were bad. Yeah, post injury, post injury, he was. I think he was awful. Yes, and post yeah. injury, and awful is being was, kind. I don't think he was healthy though. He, he, he was wasn't healthy. Clear the ankle was an issue. You know, but the but, thing is, I didn't think he was awesome pre-injury. So no, I thought it was okay. Yeah, yeah but, okay. you know, what's the deal with Austin Jackson? You know, does he stay at left tackle? Can he, you know, do you move him to right tackle if you draft Penny Sewell? You know, are you that interested in a Christian Darasaw or a Rashawn Slater or a Liam Eichenberg? Or, you know, do you want another left tackle? I mean, it feels like you don't give up the 18th pick on a left tackle if you're then going to draft another one the following year. Because I thought Jackson played pretty decently for a rookie. I thought Hunt played pretty decently. I thought Kindy was a, a mini revelation at times, you know. Um, but, you know, is Solomon Kindy the style of guard that they're looking for if they are going to transition to a zone scheme? Because he doesn't really fit. He's not a zone, you know, mm. he's a power guy, um, you mm. know. So then you're looking at Elijah Vera Tucker at USC or, or those kind of guys. But it be interesting. And, uh, and I don't think we can answer any questions about the offensive line until we know what the, the scheme is and, and whether or not it's going to be, you know, one of those. Because if it was Mike McDaniel, the 49ers run game coordinator, then, you know, unless he's going to make a fairly big transition from something that he's run for years which is a zone scheme one cut and go to a power system which is what we run essentially then it would be um that would be intriguing but i think we you know you can't make any hard and fast decisions on the offensive line until we know who's the offensive coordinator yeah and if if you look at the entire group they're all under contract except julian davenport but i'm pretty certain none of us want him back but Everybody's under contract, so those decisions are going to have to be made as far as cutting or trading some of these guys if they're going to fit in new personnel. Simon, I wonder if you're you're thinking of Nate Garner, like with Jesse Davis, like were you trying to like compare him to that? Let me um, because I confuse him with that all the time. Nate Garner, but um, yeah, Jesse Davis is starting next year. They didn't do much on the offense. no, it's it's time for him to not be a starter anymore. Um, I think he's under contract. Long-term. Ted Larson, that's who I keep mistaking. Him oh, Ted Larson. Larson. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, oh boy, yeah, I can see I can see why you confuse that. Um, but yeah, uh, I I don't think he's going to be starting anymore. Um, the more interesting question to me is is not so much about Jesse Davis, it's about Robert Hunt. Uh, and and what did you see um, in him at right tackle? We knew that he was going to be given the opportunity to win that right tackle job. Uh, Simon said that you know he before the season started, um, before anything you know was really clear um, that he that you heard that he was going to be given the opportunity to win that right tackle job, and he was okay. Opportunity was given. Did he do it? Um, that's the question. And I think that with the Tua Tonga Vailoa at quarterback, the stakes are kind of high, right? 
this isn't, you know, this is, this is a higher, this is a higher uh, stakes decision, I think, than normal. And it's not just because of the left-handed thing, although that plays into it. Um, so does he move inside to right guard? Does, um, you know, does he continue on at right tackle? That's, that's a really big question. I think that there's going to be opportunity in this off season. I look at the free agents and number one, you see Taylor Moten uh, as a free agent, as an unrestricted free agent. And that's one thing. I don't know if he necessarily fits as, you know, moving toward his own scheme, but he could certainly nail down the right tackle position. Um, and, and have you feeling safer about that? Uh, so that's that's something to consider. What I would look at is the New, New Orleans Saints. Um, you know, they they went for it all this year, you know, one last go, and they didn't make it. So now they find themselves nearly a hundred million dollars over the salary cap, um, and and with not very many you know easy ways to to, to lop off a lot of that cap room. Um, you know, I hear that the situation with Drew Brees' contract and voidable years is actually is actually worse than it looks uh, on paper or on like, you know, Spotrack or something like that. So um, they've got two guys that are fifth year option guys. Uh, they're um, right tackle Ryan Ramchick and corner Marshawn Lattimore. Um, they're going to be playing for 10, 11 million dollars or 11 and 10 million dollars um, respectively. Uh, this year on the fifth year option, but it's an 11 and 10 million. That's clean. It's, it's not, you know, it's just salary. It's no, there's no um, acceleration or anything. So if they were to get rid of those guys, then they just get to wipe, you know, trade those guys away. They get to just wipe $20 million off their books and they may need to do that. Um, and so if you call, if you're the Miami dolphins and you call up the new Orleans saints, you know, your good friend, Chris Greer's good friend, Jeff Ireland, and um, says, you know, hey, hey, I'll give you this. I'll give you this for Ryan Ramchick. I know, I know, you guys are in a bad way, and you guys are going to need to, you know, this isn't pruning of the salary cap that needs to be done. This is lighting your roster on fire. Um, and I, I, I'll take them. Give them something decent, uh, you know, worthwhile, and, and make sure you know that other teams don't outbid you on it. Um, and I think you can get him. He's 28 years old. Uh, he is one of clearly one of the best right tackles in the business and has been yeah. for years. Um, and he fits the zone really well. So you would not only feel sleep well at night thinking about to his right, you know, right side, the blind side um, for him. Uh, you would sleep well at night knowing that two is protected. You would sleep well at night also knowing that you got a guy who's going to help you transition because it does look like they're going to transition to a zone scheme. It may not be the most religious of zone schemes like Mike McDaniel would have run, but it's um, but it's going to be in, in some fashion that I think. Um, so you got a guy that helps you in two fronts that way. You got multiple ways. Having a better run game is going to help Tua. Having a better pass protection is going to help Tua. Um, I think it would just be a home run to do is is getting Ryan Ramchick. Um, but the other thing that they're going to have to do, and you mentioned Ted Karras, if they're going to convert to this scheme, then they, uh, you know, Ted Karras is a free agent, so it's not it's not going to be it's not like they'd have to make a tough decision cutting him or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to have to figure that, that position out. And I know that they headed into the season knowing that that center or hoping 
that the center position was the one thing that they had left to, to, to really get to. And so I wonder how big, how big they're going to go on that position. Are they going to go as big as, you know, can they pursue Corey Lindsley? Uh, Simon, you said is the best center in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Um, can they go after Creed Humphreys who they're going to coach at the senior bowl? Um, can they go, will they go for a Drew Dalman uh, at Stanford who, if they get Pep Hamilton, Pep Hamilton, Stanford guy, David Shaw guy, um, you know, zone perfect for it. He's absolutely would absolutely fit it like glove. Uh, could Chris Dalman's son, by the way, I'm, I don't know if uh, anybody knows Chris Dalman, the, um, you know, I don't know if he was all pro, but he was, uh, he was definitely one of the best uh, offensive linemen for, in the league for a long time. Um, mm. And he, yeah. Could, could they go after him? How big are they going to go at the center position? I don't think it's something we talk about that much. And I think that it, it's going to be probably like, you know, if not necessarily priority one on offense, it might be a priority two. And it might be like a sneaky priority too that we, we didn't really see coming. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Ted Larson, do you know where he is, Simon? Nope. He didn't play this season, but he didn't play a couple of weeks ago for Tampa Bay off the street, stepped in and played 38 snaps in the wild card game against the, the Washington football team. (laughs) So Ted Larson came off the street to play in a playoff game and evidently played well. He did not allow a sack. So all right, on the way out here, uh, next week we're going to get into the defense. I think we covered the the offensive side of the ball. Like I said at the top of the show, yes, that a lot of work needs to be done on this side of the ball. And if you watch these teams this weekend, you will notice, yeah, we don't have that. Not what those teams have on the offensive side of the ball. On the way out here, Simon, who plays in the Super Bowl? Uh, the Buffalo Bills and the Green Bay Packers. Oof. That I, I already know one one of us is pretty upset about you picking Buffalo, <laughs> Chris. Yeah, I, your I wasn't. I wasn't until I wasn't until this week, uh, right? I yeah. was hoping Buffalo would beat the Ravens because I freaking hate the Ravens. Um, but now that they're playing the Chiefs, I mean, I I get to be one hundred percent AFC East hater on the Buffalo Bills, and that's refreshing. Is it going to happen, though? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Of course, of course it will. All right. So you think, you think the Buffalo Bills are going to be – well, Simon thinks they're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I, I don't say it. Yeah. The Bills didn't look all that great this past week, but all of a sudden their 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 defense you know, came alive. And everybody's waiting for that, right, with the Bills. Like the Cinderella clock strikes midnight on, the, on this uber-productive offense. Yes, that Josh Josh Allen has been commanding, you know, with with uncanny accuracy that people never thought he had. Um, you know, I think everybody's waiting for the clock to strike midnight on it, and I wonder if this poor showing, you know, on offense in the last week kind of starts putting doubt in their minds, like it starts mm. creeping in. Maybe that's possible. Uh, although I will say this, the streak continues. No team in NFL history had won seven games in a row by six points or less until the chiefs did it. Now it's eight games. 
So I think the streak reaches nine because I think that game's going to be close. And I do have the Chiefs winning. So Chiefs win by a field goal. Over you know what Buffalo. that reminds me of, Alf, though? It reminds me of, do you remember the Peyton Manning Colts? Do you remember like some of those Colts teams that were just like phenomenal, um, you know, 15 and one. Yeah. Great offense, you know, just Jim Caldwell. Yeah. And then, and then summarily, summarily escorted out of the playoffs. Right. (laughs) Um, And and it it was, and it was sort of like they were, they were front runners. They were really good front runners. Then the next year, the year that they actually won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. um, they were, they were, they weren't front runners anymore. They they gutted out tough games and cl- close games and, and did it consistently. And I don't know if it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might not have gotten to that six six or seven in a row, but there were a lot of games that they. I mean, so so you knew that they were good front runners, right? You know, they're the guys that could lay on thirty five points and just you know take advantage um, if if it happens that way. But finding be, finding out that your team is also good enough that when you get punched in the mouth, like you can respond and, and win the, the tough games consistently and come out on top. I think that says something about the team that, you know, maybe gets underrated a little bit and maybe I'm wrong and the chiefs, you know, fucking suck. But, um, but I think that, I think that they're, I think it actually says something about the dimensions of that team that maybe wasn't even there a year ago. Yeah, and uh, watching Chad Henney uh, running around and making all those passes, like I don't remember him p- looking that good in a Dolphin uniform, <laughs> for that matter. But <laughs> you know, it, it tends to help the that you have those weapons, right, in Kansas City, because he looked like a different guy. And it, it was hilarious how after the game, Andrew kept kept saying that this is going to go down in Chiefs lore. We're going to remember the run, the catch, but and the throw by Chad Henney. But yeah. I expect Patrick Mahomes to play. Uh, it's all over the internet right now. If you go look at it, that yeah, Patrick Mahomes will play. So yeah, I think the Chiefs eke it out, and we get the Super Bowl we want that everybody wants. Well, at least everybody outside of Buffalo and Tampa Bay. But we want Green Bay, Kansas City, and I think we'll get it. All right, that's it. There is no more. Next week we'll talk defense. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.